I want to start this morning by reading a story uh, that Max, from Max Lucado, uh, when he writes in his book, And the Angels Were Silent. pretty good story and some of it has probably circulated online and uh, different versions of it have been there but it's a story of Lieutenant John Blank Blanchard I guess Blanchard 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 let's go with that John Blanchard stood up from the bench straightened his army uniform and studied the crowd of people making their way through Grand Central Station this is a World War II uh, story He looked for the girl whose heart he knew, but whose face he didn't, the girl with the rose. His interest in her had begun 13 months before in Florida, in a library in Florida. Taking a book off the shelf, he found himself intrigued, not with the words of the book, but with the notes penciled in the margin. The soft handwriting reflected a thoughtful soul and insightful mind. In the front of the book, he discovered the previous owner's name. Miss Hollis Maynell. With time and effort, he located her address. She lived in New York City. He wrote her a letter introducing himself and inviting her to correspond. However, he was shipped overseas uh, for World War II pretty soon. In World War II, during the next year and a half, the two grew to know each other through the mail. No texting, no email, so... I don't know how many letters really crossed in the year and a half. But each letter was a seed falling on a fertile heart. A romance was budding. Blanchard requested a photograph, but she refused. She felt that if he really cared, he wouldn't matter what she looked like. When the day finally came for him to return to, from Europe, they scheduled their first meeting, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Station in New York. You'll recognize me, she wrote, by the red rose... I'll be wearing on my lapel. So at 7 p.m., he was in the station looking for the girl whose heart he loved, but whose face he had never seen. A young woman was coming. A young woman was coming towards him. Her figure was long and slim. Her blonde hair, uh, her blonde hair lay back in curls from her delicate ears. Her eyes were blue as flowers. Her lips and chin had a gentle firmness, and in her Uh, In her pale green suit, she was like springtime come alive. He started towards her, entirely forgetting to notice whether she was wearing the rose or not. As he moved, a small, provocative smile curved her lips. Going my way, sailor, she murmured. And almost uncontrollably, he made one more step closer to her. And then he saw the real Hollis Maynell. She was standing almost directly behind this girl. The woman was well past 40. She had graying hair tucked under a worn hat, and she was rather plump. The girl in the, grease, in the green suit was walking quickly away. He felt as though he was being split in two. So keen was, he, uh, was his desire to follow the girl, yet so deep was his longing for the woman whose spirit had truly com- uh, companioned and appelled his own. And there she stood. Her pale, plump face was gentle and sensible. Her gray eyes had a warm and kindly twinkle. He did not hesitate. His fingers gripped 
the small worn blue leather copy of the book that was to identify him to her this would be this would not this would not be love but it would be something precious something perhaps even better than love a friendship for which he had been and must ever be grateful for he squared his shoulder and saluted and held out the book to the woman even though while he spoke he felt choked by the bitterness of disappointment i'm lieutenant john blanchard and you must be miss maynell i am so glad you came to meet me may i take you out for dinner he said the woman's face broadened to a tolerant smile i don't know what this is about son she answered but the young lady in the green in the green suit convinced me and begged me to wear this rose on my coat and she said she said if you were to ask me out to dinner i was to tell you that she's waiting for you in the big restaurant across the street across the street she said this was some kind of test anyway it's a feel good story and he asked the question uh, max lucero says it's not difficult to understand and admire miss maynell's wisdom because the true nature of the heart is seen in its response to the unattractive tell me whom you love and i will tell you who you really are I know it's a feel good story and it's all romantic and I know it's made up it's not a real story but it really made me reflect on my relationship with Christ too it really did challenge me really on why I really fall in love with Jesus Christ is it for all the fun the good the fancy stuff that I get or is it real for who not just for what he gives me for who he really is no two sundays ago i i started this whole series on when i met jesus basically talking about people who had this face to face encounter with jesus christ and their lives were never the same and i have this running through my mind this whole idea and i've been reading so much about this whole idea of when people met jesus and i read this story and like i said it challenged me because as i was reflecting i was thinking about the number of people who meet jesus face to face but walk away disappointed because in their minds they have pictured jesus to be something or someone else they picture that jesus is going to give them everything they want They picture of Jesus who's going to come into their lives and now their lives are going to be smooth sailing there's not going to be one road bump in life. They picture of Jesus who's just there for them the whole time when we whine he's going to be there to pick us up. But when they meet the real Jesus when he says deny yourself take up your cross and follow me they walk away disappointed. is my walk with the lord and i asked myself this question is my walk with the lord only on this real good fancy and you know excited and everything else that we feel when we come to church is my walk with the lord built on all the feel good portions of the scriptures those promises that i love to stand on and is that just merely what i you know what i'm talking about here Cuz the truth is this if I'm not all in when it comes to Christ I will be disappointed. When I'm not all in I will be disappointed cuz again you 
you know people and i know people who follow jesus just out of tradition my grandparents did it their parents did it my parents did it and i do it why i don't know many people follow jesus out of the convenience factor you know it's just convenient and i'll follow jesus as long as it's convenient doesn't bother my schedule so much i'll do what i like to do as long as it doesn't conflict with the things i like to do i'll follow jesus like i said that taking up the cross and sacrificing anything we are like hey slow down jesus The truth is we find people all the time if you go out you will find people you talk to them about Jesus and they automatically go hey slow down slow down give sacrificially give gen- generously oh the church only wants my money the number of people i meet that way i mean even i'll be honest i've encountered them Anyway you go basically you talk about church and they all say oh that church is all about the money It's hard to follow Jesus when he says love your enemies right forgive them We have this oh you know what we have this understanding you know we we're pretty polite to each other but I'm on this side and she's on this side or he's on this side and we just you know that's not what forgiveness is all about that's not what loving your enemies is all about Why don't we want to obey that kind of scripture because that's a Jesus we really don't want to deal with. That doesn't make me feel good. Taking that extra step to go over and love your enemy, not tolerate your enemy. It's challenging because we love Jesus and love to follow Jesus on our own terms. And again, please please listen to me. We cannot pick and choose what scriptures we want to follow. Amen. You cannot pick and choose the Jesus you want to serve. You're either all in or it's nothing at all. Because when life hits you, you follow a, a Jesus made out of your own imagination. When life hits you, those curveballs are thrown at you. You will start questioning what Jesus is all about. You will, and I'll guarantee this, you will be disappointed if you're not all in when it comes to Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus, you will never be popular. It's not a popular thing you will never be popular. It was never popular and it will never be popular to follow Christ. But counting the cost is something that we all have to do when it comes to following him. Are you all in or not? All in or not? Two weeks ago we saw this blind man. He met Jesus and he was all in. How do you know that? Because soon enough, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, what did they do? Dragged him into the temple, dragged him into the synagogue, started questioning him, started abusing him, hurling insults at him. They didn't like what he had to say and they finally threw him out, but he was all in. He did not change his story to fit what they expected. All he said was what? I was blind, but now I see. That was his story and he was not going to change that. You can say whatever you want to. This guy is... fake he's not real whatever all i know is what he changed my life and my life is not the same and i'm not changing my story zacchaeus he was the most hated man in town but when he met jesus his life was changed too we'll talk about that briefly in a bit but this morning i want to talk about another person who encountered and who met jesus face to face i want to talk about the woman at the well this morning 
we find her story in John chapter 4 when i met jesus we don't even know this woman's name again all we know is that she was a samaritan or she was from samaria john chapter 4 and uh keep your finger in there cuz we're going to read several scriptures uh from the chapter I'm going to start from verse 4. Verse 4 he says now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water Jesus said to her will you give me a drink his disciples had gone into town to buy food verse 9 the Samaritan woman said to him you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans Jesus answered if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water Sir the woman replied you have nothing to draw well, uh, draw with and the well is deep where can you give this living water where can you get this living water are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i give them will never thirst and need the water i give them will be come in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life Amen. the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water she still didn't get it he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you're right when you say you have no husband The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true Sir the woman replied I can see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshiped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem Woman Jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I want to read that part again. What kind of worshipers does the Father seek? Those who worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, "I know that Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us." Then Jesus declared, "I, the one speaking to you, I am he." Amen. The passage keeps going on. There is so much again. There's so many parts in this in this passage that you can pick up on. There's so much in there. so many themes that you can uh have here in this passage 
And I can picture Jesus right now, and you can picture him too if you have used your imagination. It's hot, it's humid, it's, he's been walking for a while. Of course, it says it's noontime, and he's thirsty, he's hungry. How do you know he's hungry? Because he and the disciples, because the disciples went out to find some food. And Jesus is sitting there by this well. Now this woman comes out, and of course she's Samaritan, and of course she got to notice, and you probably already know this. It's not the normal time when the women came out to draw on water, because they normally came either in the morning or late in the evening. So you definitely understand, you get, there's definitely this idea that there's something sketchy about this woman's life, you know. And then she's coming there, and she sees Jesus, of course. She sees Jesus, she recognizes, we know from the passage that she recognizes that he's a Jew. And I can picture her coming, you know, she's kind of bracing herself. First of all, there's a guy standing, you know, you're talking about from the distance, she can see that he's a guy there. And then she sees, recognizes that he's a Jew and then she's kind of bracing herself because, you know, here come the insults and all the mocking and everything else from another arrogant Jew basically, right? Because he's going to cuss and what did they do? Spit on the ground and, you know, just make a big deal about nothing because these were Samaritans. And, of course, the fact that she's a woman. I mean, I can imagine all that going through her mind. Here's this Jew. I'm just going to go, kind of, just going to go avoid making eye contact with this guy. I'm just going to slip in here, you know, just draw this water, fill my jars up or whatever, mind my own business and walk away. But then Jesus opened his mouth and spoke to her. When I met Jesus, my life totally changed. But the first point I have here is when I met Jesus, he reached out to me. He reached out to me. He was trying or she was trying to do her own thing, mind her own business. But Jesus is the one who reached out to her. He made this very, and you can see this again and again. Jesus was very deliberate in reaching out to this woman. If you look at verse 4, it says again, you've probably seen this already. It says, now he had, had to go through Samaria. Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. The Jews always avoided this portion of, you know, they avoided this area, this whole region of Samaria. They would, in fact, walk miles out of the way so that they didn't have to go through this cursed land, basically. But again, it says he had to, had to go through Samaria. Jesus is very deliberate because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Please understand there are no accidents when it comes to God's plan and purposes in your life. There are no accidents because God will meet you at the place you least expect him to meet you. You may think you are doing your own thing. I'm just keeping to myself again. I'm just doing my own thing. I don't care. You know, people probably don't notice. Nobody notices. Nobody really cares. I'm just going to slip in and slip out. Please realize that you are not hidden from God. You are not hidden from God. The story, and think about this, because I've been rereading the story of the blind man and also Zacchaeus, the blind man. And as he turned with me, it's just a couple of chapters down the road, chap, uh, in that book, verse, chapter 9. 
Because I really, I didn't see this the first time, but then as I was pondering on this and I read the story again. Chapter 9 and go down to verse, uh, verse 1. He actually says, as he went along, he saw a blind man, a bland blind from birth. He saw and I thought about that for a minute because there is no way that this blind guy was the only person around. When Jesus walked, crowds followed him. But he saw, he probably saw everybody, but when the Bible saying he saw this blind man, it means that he noticed this person. He is deliberate. Jesus is deliberate in picking out this blind man. He saw this, mind, this blind man. Jesus just didn't stumble upon this blind man. We talked about last week, Zacchaeus too. Totally overlooked by everybody else. Ran ahead, got into a tree. But Jesus stopped and talked to him. You are telling me again, this is the third time Jesus had to go through. If you tell me that Jesus doesn't know who you are, I'm going to say, you got to be kidding yourself. Because you read this again and again and again. And you see that Jesus notices, notices people. Zacchaeus was trying to avoid the crowd. But Jesus stopped and took notice of him. We said this again. Jesus notices us. And that's exactly what he does with this woman. Everybody else. She's trying to avoid everybody else. She's trying to run. She's trying to hide. She's trying to do her own thing. You know, draw as little attention to herself as she can. But you can never run and hide from Jesus. Because he knows you. Because he made you. He knows you. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. The meeting she had with Jesus was not an accident because Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. There are, please, please get this. There are no accidents in God's purpose in your life. You can choose to walk away, but there are no accidents when it comes to him. You may think nobody cares. Nobody else even knows I exist. But please understand, God sees you and he knows you. You're not here today by accident either. He will still reach out to you today. In fact, he's reaching out to you even as we read the word, even as we sung praise and worshiped him with our singing. He's still reaching out to you. Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with a woman. He had an appointment with a woman with a pretty sketchy reputation. You got to realize that Jesus broke. You got to realize as he reached out to her, Jesus broke down barriers, walls that had been put up in order to reach out to this lady. Reach out to this woman. This woman was a Samaritan, of course, knowing the history between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritans... Uh, around 720 something, 722, the, basically Israel was divided into two parts, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom as such. And so around 722, the Assyrians came and took away all the northern kingdom. They took away a lot of the people and they brought people from the outside into uh, Israel as such. And so as time passed, these people from the outside married the Jews who stayed there. And they started professing their faith, but they were Samaritans. And of course, the holy Jews in the southern kingdom 
who were proud because they hadn't fallen and the northern kingdom had fallen and they were really proud if you read the scriptures it's pretty obvious that they looked down upon the northern kingdom because they had the temple too at the bottom okay and so they're looking down on all these people as it is and then of course the southern kingdom falls around 580 90 somewhere and then the babylonians come and take them away and so everybody's in total mess you have these samaritans who are not pure bloods you know half breeds they use that term and they all there they call them all these things but they managed they tolerated one another when contention started is when Ezra and Nehemiah at the time when they were trying to build the temple and build the wall again the samaritans opposed it that's when they really got mad with the samaritans that's when they cut them off totally and they literally they called them dogs they called them everything that you could call a person spat on the ground whenever a samaritan went, walked by they would spit on them or spit on the ground dust their feet and walk away So do you see this hostility that had developed but Jesus breaks that barrier that was put up by culture that was there. He breaks that barrier and he asks of course who a woman for water now. And of course you know what kind of woman this woman is. You can it's it's implied here. She comes to Jacob's well at noon again a time when she's clearly trying to avoid people. Jesus already knew who she was so it didn't take rocket science i mean you don't have to be a smart person to really realize there's something wrong with this woman talking to a samaritan talking to a woman not just like i said not just a ordinary woman and then asking her for something to drink come on what's wrong with you jesus but jesus never cared really When he reaches out he breaks through barriers walls that you may have put up yourself because he cares about you he knows you you can put up all those walls you want to but when Jesus calls your name he knows where you are hidden in a cave somewhere under a bed i don't know where you are hiding but Jesus knows who you are and he will reach out to you break through everything that needs to be broken to get a hold of who you are Jesus broke through so many barriers because he was or is and still is in the business of rewriting people's stories. Amen. He knew where she was, he knew where she would be. There's no slipping in and out when it comes to Jesus. I want to use the phrase he's got your number. You can run as fast as you want to. You can run and try and run as far away from me as you want to. But he always knows where you are. You cannot escape. You cannot hide from God. He knows you. The Samaritan woman, if she was here today, she'd say this. When I met Jesus, he knew where I would be. He broke every barrier, every stereotype as such to reach out to me. The second thing you see what happened here with the Samaritan woman is this. she was confronted with the truth when she met jesus she was confronted with the truth what truth are we talking about here when i came face to face with jesus i had to come to grips of who i really am who i really am with who i really am when this woman encountered jesus she was forced really to confront her past jesus told the woman go away and come back with the, your husband 
the woman says well i'm not married and you know i don't have a husband and of course jesus says yeah what you're saying is right because there's been five men in your life they are really not your husbands either they i mean five husbands so far and the guy you're with is not your husband either and she's forced to make a decision because here is this guy who is confronting her and forcing her to deal with her past encounter with jesus this is the truth an encounter with jesus reveals who we are because we cannot hide who we really are from him you can pretend in front of everybody else and the world around you we wear masks wherever we go but when it comes face to face with jesus he can see past all those things that you have put up he forces you literally forces you to be real with yourself real with yourself we all put on these masks like i said we hide who we really are i've met so many people who've said to me if people only knew who really i am i'd be so embarrassed if people really knew the real me maybe it's fear of getting hurt we put on masks for maybe it's the fear of taking being taken advantage of that we put on masks for maybe it's the fear of what people will really say if they know the real me but when it comes to jesus he sees through that all he sees through that all and you are forced again like i said to be real with yourselves even in church we put on such a brave front nobody sees the hurt nobody sees the pain but jesus knows the hurt and the pain you are going through again it's not because of some why do we do this it's just our we don't want to get hurt most of the time that's the main reason and we are fearful and so we put on so much we build these walls around us but we can't do that those walls do not stand a chance when it comes to jesus but when you have a real encounter face to face encounter with jesus you have got to be real with yourself and give a real evaluate your life the way it is god this is where i am and really when i think about where i'm going i'm not going anywhere real fast anyway good at least there is no running and hiding there is no pretending and here's the truth again we cannot avoid the past bury the past so just pretend it never happened if we need to move forward with Christ's help we've got to come deal with the past first then forget about it but you can try and avoid and forget and bury it in the past as such it will never let go of you till you bring it and lay it down at the feet of the person who can change it and then once you have done that then just forget it then don't go digging it up again cuz he's forgotten it now but you've got to deal with it you have got to deal with it here's something and something that praveen and me were talking about in today's world it's so easy to live a life that is not us because we live in a very i mean increasingly what you call a virtual world and we have virtual personas as such we write stuff on social media that is not us but we are bold enough to say whatever we want to if someone was here face to face you would never say what you said on online or whatever and very often let me tell you this we are going towards this to see this in a lot of people they become who they think they are not who they really are 
they think that they are this big, you know, whatever. They have this follow. They follow all these big guys and they think they are somebody like that. But the truth of who they really are, they forget who they really are. When we encounter Jesus, he forces us to look at who we really are. Who we really are. Because when you come to him and are honest about who you really are, that's when he begins his real work in your life. That's when he begins the change that you really need. If you read verse 29, verse 39, twice he says, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Come see the man who told me everything I really did. Okay, it forces us, confronts us with the truth of who we are and it confronts us with the truth of who he really is. The truth of who he really is. If you look at this passage, you see the progression and it's really neat. I don't know if you've noticed this before. uh, But if you see the progression in the way she sees Jesus. In verse, uh, uh, you see in chapter 4, you see the first time Jesus talks to her. The first time Jesus talks to her, the first thing she replies. Verse 9, she says, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. And then you go down to verse 11. See how the first time she just answers him. This, verse 11, see how she answers him now. She starts with what? Sir, something is changing and working in her heart. And she says in verse 11, sir. See how she addresses him in verse 19. Verse 19, she says, sir. The woman says, I can see that you are a prophet. You see the progression of the revelation that Jesus is giving her so far. Starts off just as an ordinary man. Now she says respect, you know. I'm calling him sir now. Now from sir she moves to prophet. And then finally in verse 26 and 29 she asks the question, could this be the Messiah? When you have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, he reveals himself to you. It is a process. But as you stick with him and stay with him and talk with him, she could have easily walked away and avoided him like every other person she could have avoided. But there is something about Jesus that attracts us to him. And when we stay faithful to him and stay in his presence, he will reveal himself to us as to who he really is, the Messiah. The only one who can save our souls. When we come face to face with Jesus, we see him. For who he really is. Who he really is. My Messiah. The Christ. The Savior. The one and only. When we encounter Jesus. When we really meet him face to face. We have to answer the question that Jesus asked Peter. Who do you think I am? You cannot walk away without thinking about that question. Whenever you really encounter Jesus, you are forced into asking the question, who do you think I am? And of course, Peter says what? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Today, Jesus asked the same question to not just us, to everybody around. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? She's forced to consider this option. Those, there's no real, if you look at it carefully, there's no real confession in terms of, oh, you are the Messiah. But if you read this, she's getting there. Her eyes are not totally open and we don't hear it in the Bible. But if you read the rest of the story, you can tell that she has met the Messiah. And she's convinced of the truth. 
we got to ask the same question and we are forced to ask the same or think through the same options. And I love using what C.S. Lewis uses. He says, when you are face to face with Jesus, you got to ask the question. Because she asked the question, I can either believe this man at the well or I can walk away that he says who he is. Or I can walk away thinking that this guy is just another crazy guy. C.S. Lewis asked the question, when you first encountered Jesus, you can say, people say, hey, he's a liar. You can say he's a liar because you know what? He claimed to be the son of God, but he's just an ordinary man. He's just lying about it. But the reality is that option is not a really good option because most people concede that Jesus was a prophet or a man, a good man or whatever. Now, would a prophet from God or a really good man lie about where he came from? Probably not. So to say he's a liar would be a stretch. Second option they always say is lunatic. He's just a madman making all these claims. I always think about Charles Manson with all the stuff that he claimed. I know he claimed to be Jesus, but where he really belongs is in a straitjacket somewhere else. You could say that Jesus was just a crazy guy, but why would a crazy guy have such a following? Why would a crazy guy... The life of this crazy guy caused 12 people who ran away from him, convinced them in such a way that they were ready to lay down their lives. So why would someone do that for a crazy guy? Really leaves us with the last option. He says, liar, lunatic, or is he Lord? Lord means he is who he says he is. We still got to ask those questions. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Is he who he says he is? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the name above, I mean, the name on whose name every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess one day. You got to accept the fact that he is Lord. We've got to ask the same questions to us or ourselves. And one thing I got to notice, in his confrontation, there was no condemnation. In his confrontation, there was no condemnation. Time and time we see it. Jesus confronts challenges, but never condemns them. Never condemns them. Jesus is reaching out to us. God is reaching us out to us today. Breaking every barrier. Doesn't matter what we've done, where we're from. Doesn't matter. The background does not matter. He breaks through those walls because he's interested in each and every one of us. My history really does not matter. What matters is the choice I make right now. Because the choice I make determines how I live the rest of my life. When I met Jesus, he showed me who I really am and who he really is. Number three, he made me an offer that I could not refuse. We have a choice. We've got to make the choice. We accept the offer he gives us or we can walk away and do our own thing. This lady had a choice. She had a choice. Please understand, Jesus is never going to shove his truth down your throat. He's never going to beat it into you. You have got to make a choice when it comes to living for Christ or not. He makes us an offer or makes her an offer that she could not refuse. When she met Jesus, she wanted water that would quench her physical thirst. But Jesus gave her what she really needed. Not what she wanted. He gave her what she needed. Which was living water that quenches the deepest desires in the person's life. Whether people, and this is the truth. This is what the world longs for. Whether they care to admit it or even acknowledge it. There is a hole in everybody's heart that only Jesus can fill. 
They may not even know it exists. Or they may try and fill it. And you know people who try and fill that void with everything possible. But there is only one person who can fill that void. That is Jesus Christ. That is the offer. There's something that only God can fill. Verse 13, it says, everyone, Jesus says, you know, everybody who drinks of this water will thirst again. But the water I give them, they will drink that and they will never thirst again. If there is a hunger and thirst in us that can be satisfied, only Jesus can satisfy that. Only Jesus can satisfy that. That is the offer he's going to make. That is the offer he makes to us right now. You can put, you can go through pages and pages and write down what Jesus offers us right now. His presence. I don't have to be alone in life ever again. He promises to be with me. That's his offer. My friends may walk away, my family may walk away, but he will never forget me. He will never forsake me. That's his offer. He offers joy. I don't have to be crying and sorrowful and mourn the whole time. Because in the midst of mourning, he gives me joy. That's his offer. Peace in the midst of the worst situation I'm going through. When my whole world has been turned upside down, his offer is peace. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And I wrote so many points down. Truth is, all we have to do is accept his offer. But the choice is ours. We can choose to live in victory because he gives us victory. Or we can live under the burden of sin, guilt, and shame. Condemnation. There's no condemnation. That's an offer. He gives us an offer that we cannot refuse. He is everything we will ever need. Now think about that. Everything you ever need, he promises to take care of. Now that's an offer the world cannot give you. I always ask the people, so many people have asked, give me a reason why you don't want to accept this offer. You can come up with excuses. You can come up and they come up with excuses. But that's what it is, excuses. It's an offer. It's an offer we cannot refuse. Got to ask the question because the choice is yours. She asks, could this be the Messiah? Jesus satisfied the deepest desires and the longing of our heart. The offer is still on the table today. Lastly, of course, we said, when I met Jesus, he radically changed my life. Themes runs throughout. Encounters with Christ. You see, lives are not the same. They are radically changed. The blind person, he was blind, but now he could see. They threw him out of the synagogue. But it did not matter. Zacchaeus, again, he became from the, the worst person in town. He became the most generous person in town. Do you think people accepted him just because he changed all of a sudden? Probably not. They probably still made fun of him. They still probably mocked him. They probably still hated him. But you got to realize this. These people we've been encountering, their devotion did not stop with their miracle. Their devotion was a lifelong commitment. Not just for the good times. Not just for the times when everything was going smoothly. But their commitment lasted forever. She, I mean this blind person went back. Even though they threw him out, he still served God. Zacchaeus, even though they despised him, he still served God. This blind person, I mean this Samaritan woman went back to the same people who, who she was avoiding first of all. Because her life was radically, radically changed by an encounter with Christ. She is never the same. Actually, read verse 
28, it's kind of funny right here in verse 28. Verse 28, you understand, she's come for water, right? Verse 28 says, then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town. She came for something, but when she was satisfied by that living water, what things mattered to her before never mattered again. That's the radical transformation that Jesus brings in our lives. Our eyes are not focused on earthly things anymore. Our concerns are not so much driven by things right around us, but our focus is on things of eternal value, eternal consequences. That's a transformed life. If you are so caught up with things around you right now, your life has not totally been surrendered to Jesus. It's going to be a struggle. We're not going to be perfect overnight. But that's what we are. I say this and I said this before. The mark of spiritual maturity is a growing hunger and a desire for God's presence. Things of eternal value matter to you more than things of this world. That's what you see in her life. Radical transformation. Living water that satisfied her. Satisfied her in such a way that she forgot that she wanted water really. Satisfied her in a way. Spending time in Jesus Christ, with God's presence. The things of this world, the worries of this world, the fear of this world, the doubt of this world. The insecurities we find in this world. They fade away slowly but surely when we spend more and more and more time in God's presence. That is the key. The problems don't disappear, but their influence over your life, their influence over your lives fades in the goodness of Christ. In His presence, that's where the change happens. The longing in our hearts which people fill with junk disappears because it's replaced by a hunger and a desire for God. Where does she go back? It says she goes back. Verse 28, it says, leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town, went back to where she came from. The transformation is simple. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation anymore. She's going back to the same people that she tried to avoid. The men probably, she's going back to the group of men who probably laughed at her. The women probably were angry with her. But it didn't matter because she met Jesus. There was no more shame. There was no more guilt. No more condemnation. Jesus wiped away all that stuff. Wiped away all that stuff from being someone she, she was trying to avoid everybody else. She goes boldly proclaiming now. That's radical. Amen. From trying to run and hide from everybody. Now she goes in and shouts to them. Hey, come and see this Messiah. Amen. Come and see. Could this be the man? It's talking to someone this week and I was praying about it. And as I was praying for them, the Lord just gave me this picture as such. And this mental image and it was a whiteboard erase uh, you know that whiteboards that you have there you have these whiteboards and I was praying and I, this just came right into my head as I was spending time this whiteboard but someone had written on it with permanent sharpie markers and this person was trying desperately to wipe that out wipe that out wipe that out but the best we can do is just smudge that it's never going to go away And then there was this man, Jesus, coming with a cloth dipped in his blood, wipes it clean away. 
Can you imagine the relief that this person felt at that moment? And as I thought about that picture, I could not, I was just, it was like this. My jaw was wide open because I've been trying my whole life to wipe the slate clean and nothing happened. My mouth just drops open and the next thing I do is turn around and fall flat on my face at the feet of the person who can wipe it all away. That's the transformation that Jesus brings in the life. You see that in the life of this sinful woman right here. No more. The people I'm sure still mocked her. The people still made fun of her. People still despised her. But it did not matter. Come see the one who changed my life. Come see the one. And you see what they say. If you read the chapters, the Samaritans come and they say, we don't believe just because of what you said. We believe because now we have seen him. That's all we got to do. We can tell people about Jesus, but what we're supposed to do is bring them so that they have their encounter with the Messiah too. Jesus wiped away everything, her sin. Gave her a new reason. Replaced the junk in her life with a new purpose, with a new plan, with a new vigor as such. A new passion for life itself. No condemnation. All she has right now is living water flowing through her. Living water that leads to eternal life. When I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, he radically changed my life. Radically changed my life. Of course, if you read this, she doesn't have the total revelation, but Jesus is not done with her yet. He works through her. Keeps working through her. Bow your heads with me at this point. When I met Jesus, he reached out to me. He broke those barriers that society had placed. He broke those barriers which culture had placed. He broke those barriers, those walls that I had put put up to, to protect myself. Those walls that I had put up because of the experiences I've had. And I've just put up this wall right in front of me. All I want to do is just slip in and slip out and do my own thing. I don't care whether people notice me. I don't care whether people even recognize me. In fact, I hope they don't recognize me. But when I met Jesus, he reached through, through all that stuff I had built up. Through all that stuff that culture and society and everything else had put up. Because he knew me. He knows me. Church, get this. He knows you. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. There is a plan and a purpose. But I'm a Jesus. He confronted me. With the truth of who I am. Let me challenge you. You can put up that mask as well as you want to. You can fight it as much as you want to. But you will not see the change that only Jesus can bring unless you come to him and say, Just as I am, God, without a plea. Just as I am, Lord, just me. This is me, God. I quit pretending, I quit trying to be someone or something else. 
because I'm tired. I'm tired of running. I know you love me. You got to. You got to deal with stuff. You can't run away from your past, unfortunately, till you deal with it. Lay it down at the foot of the cross, and then you can forget it. Because he just wipes it all away. When I met Jesus, he revealed, confronted me with the truth about who I am, but also the truth of who he really is. I pray that as we spend time in God's presence, he will reveal himself to us. Slowly but surely reveal himself to us that he will take us like he did this woman from a total stranger. She said, you. Then she goes to Sir with some respect. From there she goes to a prophet and then she comes to this understanding and the question of the Messiah. I pray that God will take you as you spend time in his presence. You will get to know you and you will get to know who he really is. Here's the thing. The more you know him, the more you'll want him. Simple reason. Because you realize that only he can satisfy what you're looking for. Only he can satisfy what you're looking for. I'm a Jesus. He confronted me with the truth of who I really am. And who he really was. Of course, when I'm a Jesus, he made me an offer that I could not refuse For me, the biggest thing is the hope that he gives me. When fear controls my life about what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to my family, my kids, my future, my job. I know there is hope because I have Jesus. The hope he gives me is amazing. That I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in fear with uncertainty, with insecurity because he is my hope. This hope is the confidence that he can take care of me. He can take care of me better than I can take care of me. He can take care of my family way better than I can take care of my family. He can take care of my kids way better than I can take care of my kids. All I got to do is accept his offer course the offer of eternal life of course that's the best that's the best deal that whoever puts our trust in him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life and of course the story when I met Jesus he changed my life changed my life transformed it I was blind spiritually but now I see I see Jesus I see Jesus. I went from being a selfish, selfish tax collector to being someone who puts others ahead of me. Someone who cares more about others rather than just always looking at me. When I met Jesus like the Samaritan woman, I didn't have to run and hide and walk in shame anymore because he changed my life, wiped away my guilt, wiped away my shame and gave me 
dignity where I could stand up there and say and proclaim boldly, see, come see, come see the person who changed my life. I pray that we all have had an encounter and an experience with Jesus. That we all will have a story that when I met Jesus, something happened. I want to challenge you, church. You may be a Christian for a long time or you may be a Christian just for a short time. Encourage you, take a piece of pen and paper or type out or text out, whatever you do. Write down what it means to you when I meant Jesus. Don't just make a mental inventory as such. Write it down. Because that's what I did these past couple of weeks and my list is huge. Because when I met Jesus, I really realized what John says. All the words in the world and the pages, you know, there's not enough to describe what he really has done for me. I pray that you will make time to do that. I challenge you to do that. When I met Jesus, he changed my life. I'll stand to the feet as we sing.